Hi, I'm Yolanda Rasco with your show. Throughout this life, we encounter thousands of people. And over time, most of us come to learn that all of the people that we encounter are not really all that trustworthy. And I don't think there will be any pushback if I were to say that having a trusted friend partner and coworker is really valuable. It's super valuable, yet it's rare. And there's a saying that goes, in order to have a friend, you must first show yourself friendly. Well, today I'm going to turn that on its head and say, in order to have trust-filled experiences, you must first build trust, you not the other guy. And that's not always an easy thing to take on. So I've grabbed a fella who I know who he does this very well. So Larklin Brown is a highly credentialed scaled agile consultant and coach. And he's now an agile portfolio coach, thought leader. And oh, by the way, he has an amazing article on LinkedIn. You should really check it out. It's called Mastering the New Agile Coaching Mindset for the Fourth Industrial Revolution uh, for IR. I've read it. It's amazing. I think you should check it out. Um, but Larklin, I will tell you, is that guy that you go to when you need coaching after you've had a foot in mouth experience, right? And I'm raising my hand for that. And what I can tell you is that I have watched Larklin as he will chip away at those obstructive walls of defensiveness that people tend to set up. And then he'll just breeze right on by those smoke screens. So he does all of this with it's just it looks easy. He makes it look easy. And so it's just a thing to behold. And that's why I'm talking with him today. I am really curious to hear some of his thinking on how to build trust first. Hello, Larklin, and welcome to your show. Hello, Ms. Yolanda, and uh, thank you for having me on the show. That was a great introduction, but as I listened to it, I can't help but reflecting that the persona you described was almost 20 years in the making. What I've learned over that time is the importance of focusing on building trust first. One of my guiding tenets is that as a coach, I am accountable for unlocking a team's potential to maximize their own performance by creating that safe space for them to grow. At the end of the day, it's all about influencing and motivating people. As a consultant for almost 15 years, I've been exposed to the many cultures of Fortune 500 organization, pros and cons of agile coaching and the red flags to look out for. The experience has, th has taught me that any successful engagement starts with building trust, showing empathy and meeting the team where they are and then moving at their, at their pace. When I meet with the team to discuss the goals and expectations, deep down inside, I'm also taking the temperature of the room while trying to better understand the team dynamics. Listening is also key to hearing what they're saying, but equally important is listening for what they are not saying. And let me give you an example. About 10 years ago, when I was recently promoted to manager at uh, one of my consulting engagements, I tried to make an immediate impact by coming in and aggressively trying to drive the client team to deliver on a solution. The team put up a lot of resistance and the harder, harder I pushed, the greater the pushback. 
which was, you know, to put it bluntly, frustrating. Eventually, my manager brought everyone together, and it was in that session then and there that I found out the team was actually struggling with a prior implementation that had some lingering issues. And because of that, the team was not willing to take on anything else until the prior problems were resolved. After working with the team to identify the root cause of those issues and resolving their issues, the team then rallied behind the initiative, my current initiative, and what was most surprising, they even took a leading role with delivering the solution. That's when I realized the true power of building trust first. So, you know, folks may not want to listen at first, but once you develop that trust factor, then you can see the magic of Agile happens. And it, it's not just in a coaching environment, it's also in life as well. You know, one of those lifelong lessons I've learned. Yeah, you know, that is an that is such a great story. I'm so glad you shared that because I, I too have seen it, but what I'm hearing, you know, as you describe um, how you sat in the room and just kind of patiently assessed, right? And waited so that you could understand the lay of the land, um, you know, before you, you jumped into um, solutioning and bringing, you know, all of the answers and, and kind of listening for what they were not saying. And I think that as, um, as I would say, whether you're a team lead or a parent or a coach, you know, on a, on a team or, you know, of if any leadership role, I just feel like from what I'm hearing that that patience seems to, to, to come into play, like you, it's timing as well as um, understanding the lay of the land. So I hope I'm getting that right. Does that sound right to you? Oh, you're definitely spot on. You know, it's it's patience, it's timing, it's understanding, but it's also putting yourself in the other folks' shoe. You know, there you're sitting across the table from these folks, and you don't know what has happened in their life for them to get to this point or what pressure they're undergoing, right, to deliver. So sometimes it's the patience to just ease some of the tension and have folks feel comfortable how you interact with them. And then that's when, you know, some of the real underlying issues start getting surfaced. And once you have a better appreciation for where they are, what's happening in their life, or what's happening in their work environment, you know, you tailor your approach to get through to them to say, hey, I'm here to help you. Let's work on this together. Build mm -hmm. that trust factor first. And together, you know, we're partnering on the solution. Yeah, and that partnering sounds sounds super critical. But I'm going to tell you, I've gotten in my own way, um, Larklin, at times. And sometimes it's hard to um, ground or redirect that frustration that you're talking about and to redirect it enough to be able to really put my best foot forward in the heat of the moment. So how do I escape those kinds of emotional traps? Okay, that's a good question and something that I hear all the time. You know, yes, you want to do this, but folks are not listening to you and you've told them five, six, seven, ten times and it's the same story, you know, you're frustrated. but the thing I should, you know, implore to, to, to you and to your listeners, it's important that you never, ever 
get emotionally attached, right? Even if your mission is just to increase the team's productivity, the most important thing to remember is that you're dealing with a fellow human being, first of all. Mm. Um, you know, think about a, a, a mother who gets up in the morning at five, six o'clock, get the kids ready to go to school, drop them off at school, then fights in traffic to get down to the office. Well, we're not driving to the office as much <laughs> in these days, but right. think of that scenario. And then, you know, after two hours, you're in the office and it's been a long day so far. And now here is where you are. You know, the slightest little thing can get someone off. So another tenant, tenant I have of being a standout coach is understanding the power of emotional intelligence and the power of empathy, being empathetic. People with high emotional intelligence are able to use their sensitivity to understand where others are coming from and then use this insight to build that trust and the cohesiveness that the team um, demands. This will allow the team to focus on the task at hand rather than becoming embroiled in internal bickering and politics. The coach's sensitivity to the needs of others acts as a lubricant that helps team members work together. The flip side is that coaches are human too. And if we feel that we're getting frustrated, often we need to coach ourselves. Hmm. As a coach, it is our duty to strive for professional and personal uh, mastery by modeling continuous self-improvement with a conscious commitment to deepening our professional competency and increasing our own level of emotional and leadership maturity. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're human beings, and I can sit here and tell you all the good quotes about what to do in life and whatever, but when you're in the situation, it's a completely different story. And, um, you know, as, as coach, we just need to understand that we're in a constant journey of development and, and work on that. Um, another example I can give you is, you know, on one of my engagements with a telecommunication client, the team members were asked to do a whole lot more than is normally expected of them. And, um, you know, uh, the example there, we had some folks who were working at 50% on my project and another 50% on another project. And, you know, they were like, but, but what does that mean? You know, how can you do that? And Right. You know, I, I heard them. I couldn't tell them what to do, but that was what they were being told. Yeah. So it was it was understanding that some were frustrated trying to get anything done because they just felt overwhelmed by the situation. With an understanding of their pain, however, and showing empathy, you know, I was able to work with the, some of the team members to say, "Hey, how can I help?" And one of the solutions was. Let's align their career ambitions with their current responsibilities so we could create a scenario to demonstrate that some of the practical experience that they needed at the next level, they started uh, demonstrating that, no, like organizing a small team, leading two developers to build something else, that responsibility and accountability, you know, that was needed at the next level. We could demonstrate some of that then and now. And, you know, this was a classic example of firing up the brain to now see opportunities, hope, and motivation in the exact same environment where only frustrations, impediments, and hopelessness 
existed a few weeks ago. That is, you know, nothing had changed in the environment. It was still the same frustrating, overwhelming mm. um, environment. But with the newfound hope and the positive path to achieving their dreams, attitudes were different. The focus wasn't so much on how time could be dedicated to the project, but with trust, the team was now driven to meet and exceed their outcomes and, and, and milestones expectations. Wow, that's a very, very powerful example that you share. And I just want to underscore that nothing changed in the environment, but because you were able to point them to the future, right? To take what they were doing today, take on additional responsibilities, but in their mindset, they changed their context to, I am building skills for my future, not just to nail a project. Is that what I'm hearing? Correct, correct. They, they were now looking at the same environment in different lens. It was wow. still frustrating, they were still overwhelmed, but they saw a path forward and they saw the challenge as an opportunity so coming together. And, you know, the trust factor existed because, you know, I had to be telling them that, hey, this is the way out. But they're expect they're trusting me to deliver on yes. my part of it. They're going to do their part and I'm going to do my part to ensure that they get where they want to get to. And as I said, hope turn, transformed into motivation and folks were just, you know, at it. And uh, one more thing about that project. I mean, we were lauded for, you know, delivering flawless implementation of that wow. uh, program and it has really started with the mind building the trust motivating the team showing hope and you know the the, the sky is the limit after that the sky is the limit after that that's what i'm talking about larkland i'm telling you you're the master at this stuff and i'm going to tell you you know there was something that you taught me some years ago and that was uh, we talked about being patient but have a plan and work your plan like Take that plan, focus on it, put your blinders up to all of the noise and all of the other crazy that's going around. And if you have a good plan, just work that plan. And sometimes patience is as important um, as having a plan. And we talked about that a little bit earlier, but can you, can you talk a little bit more about when patience and timing um, come into play when you're trying to put forth your, your ideas? That's a great point. Thanks for bringing this one up. And, you know, early in my professional career, you know, as a project manager, I found that having a plan is the, more, is the most important phase in, in any initiative. And this carried over into the agile environment as well. You know, uh, the, to me, the plan helped me to sit my way forward. It helped to calm down the anticipation and it's helped to set the expectation for all the stakeholders. But the beauty of planning in Agile is that, you know, you do planning incrementally. You're not trying to um, figure out, you know, 100% of the requirements, the scope that, that we need to work on. And having that, that mindset and conveying that mindset that, you know, we're not doing a big bang approach. Let's, you know, look at what's needed now and we can forecast the rest. And, you know, it puts, I find it, you know, it puts folks' mind at ease. But 
the, the, another thing to remember is making the plan doesn't mean that it has to be 100% accurate, right? It's just a path forward, a path for folks to see how they're going to get from point A to point B. The key is having consensus through collaboration on a plan that is good enough and you know, let's start executing and based on what we know, if changes are necessary, we collaborate again and we make adjustments in the next time block. The plan built on the collaboration, or the plan built on collaboration builds trust as well and secures buying for the rest of the journey. However, we also need to realize that the progress on the plan will be influenced by the maturity level of the teams on their journey. I know what my long-term goals are, but if the team is not where you want them to be, be patient. Patience helps to build trust. Being patient and working with the team helps you to uncover some of the things that were not said, some of the underlying issues, some of the things that you need to work on to build trust and confidence. And uh, that builds trust. So understand the environment, understand the constraints, meet the team where they are, and just outline that goals for continuous improvement. And then we work towards quick wins, build confidence, and then progressively take on more work. And the example I will give you here, and this is one you're familiar with. Yes. You know, in one of our teams, we decided that, hey, you know, we want to get to a maturity level, a higher maturity level within a quarter, within um, a PI increment, if you will, quarter. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, folks were looking at us wide-eyed, you know, how do you expect us to do this? And we came up with this 30, 60, 90 day plan to say, let's focus on the things we need to do in the first 30 days. And once we get those completed, then here are the rest of the things we need to do in 60 days. And then boom, by the end of 90 days, these are the things that we're, we'll complete. And then after that, guess what? We're ready to go to the next level. Right. So, okay. you know, it's, it's outlining the plan, setting the expectation, and not everything was completed within 30 days, but that's okay. You know, they gave it their best shot and they completed within the next cycle. And, you know, that's okay. So having the plan is important, but then having the patience to go with the team at their pace and ensure that they are moving forward. That's what creates a win-win. Yeah, that is that is so awesome. And I do remember that 30, 60, 90 day plan and it works every single time. There you and, go. and, you know, the other thing that I'm hearing and I just want to uh, it, it just reminded me about when you talk about incremental adjustments. Right. So even though there is a plan in place, you are time boxing the work such that you can make changes, you know, incrementally if you you want to be able to respond as you're mentioning to what you see the team uh what their constraints are what their capabilities are to the environment and the things that are influencing the team's behavior you want to be able to respond to that near term versus having to wait uh, even 30 days out. So thanks for pointing that out and reminding us how important that is. So Larkland, do you have any final comments or thoughts that you want to leave with us? Um, sure. You know, I think, you know, I, I, I love this topic and I think it strikes the heart of what all of us as coaches should be 
you know, build trust. So, you know, in addition to what I've said uh, earlier, I think some of the other things folks should be aware of, you know, is when you're starting your coaching engagement, and again, it doesn't have to be an agile coach, you know, it would be something you do in your personal life as well, how to get sure. better coaching others, kids, um, you, you volunteer at the church. Uh, some of the things is to think about, you know, write down the tenets of your coaching framework and evaluate yourself on a regular basis. What are you doing well? What are you not doing based on the feedback? How can you improve? Um, the second thing is, you know, remember we're dealing with with fellow human beings and their emotions, especially in times like these. You know, there's lots going on. So we need to, you know, explore what emotionally emotional intelligence is all about and you know more frequently just just practice just retrospect and 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 grow um another thing i would recommend you know read up on uh, some of the books the articles out there on um youtube has a lot of videos on self-development attend meetups webinars the yolanda rascal your podcast that's another great um, tool for you to have. Just be involved yeah. in the community. Um, model continuous self-improvement. We spoke about this earlier as uh, coaches. It's important that we realize it's a continuous journey and, you know, we're always committed to, 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 to improving and deepening our professional competencies and, you know, increasing our own level of emotional and leadership maturity. Lastly, and more importantly, Remember that there is no end state for development. World and the industries is constantly evolving and to continue being relevant goes back to an earlier point. Let's master the art of continuous improvement and a conscious commitment to being better. That's uh, all the time. That's all the, the, the information, the additional advice <laughs> I would that is more than enough. I will tell you, I really appreciate you sharing what I'm going to call the secret sauce. I mean, you really brought it today and helped us to understand how um, building that trust first will allow us to have breakthrough type of team performance. And I know that, that, that the tips that you've shared today are going to really carry us far. So thank you for sharing today, Larklin, and thank you for listening and remember to enjoy your journey to better. This is your show with Yolanda Rasco. Bye now. If you'd like to hear more, go to yourshow.com. And check out our social pages on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. There, you'll find more resources and details on all of the cool conversations and events that we have planned for you guys. So check us out. And remember to enjoy your journey to better. Until next time, this is your show, and this is Yolanda.